must constantly look at things in a different way. The Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast was created by two physical therapists out of the desire to learn more about the different educational roles in physical therapy and healthcare and how healthcare education works by talking with educational leaders and people with different perspectives within physical therapy and across interdisciplinary lines on how education can be improved to disrupt the status quo of healthcare education. This is our journey and thanks for listening. Are you a third-year physical therapy student that excels on tests when you have study guides, checklists, and deadlines? With all of the information available about how to prepare for the NPTE, it's easy to get disorganized and not feel prepared going into the big day. NPTE Prep Success is an online course that provides PT students easy-to-use study guides and step-by-step guidance through the NPTE preparation. To learn more, visit kylericeprep.com. Thank you again all for your continued support, and now for the show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I am your host, Brandon Pollan, and today I am very happy to be joined by quite a few guests today to talk a little bit more about clinical education consortia, um, because this is kind of an avenue of clinical education that has actually come to our attention relatively recently, and uh, I actually had the pleasure of attending um, the guest's today's guest ELC presentation in 2019 on Clinical Education Consortia and specifically what their um, local consortia are doing. So I thought that was really fascinating as today I'm very happy to be joined by um, Nikki Silverman, Vicki LaFay, Kelly Myers, Lonnie Stewart, and Angela Stolfi. So everyone, thank you so much again for coming on and I appreciate all that you guys do. I mean, your presentation was really kind of eye-opening to me because again, like I said, I had no idea that these existed and what was going on. And, you know, I think this is a really good idea to kind of highlight that and kind of bring that awareness and kind of give your guys' perspective. But before we get into that, um, would you guys mind just kind of briefly introducing yourself and kind of sharing a little bit more about um, how you each got involved with education and even kind of how you stumbled onto um, getting involved with or hearing about the Clinical Education Consortia? So I'm Nikki Silberman. So thank you for having us today, Brandon. And I'm the Director of Clinical Education at Hunter College, and I'm currently the co-chair of the New York, New Jersey Clinical Education Consortium. I've been a DCE for 16 years now, and I've been a member of the consortium pretty much from day one. I got into my job, and there was a meeting a few weeks later, and I attended, and it was probably the most important meeting I have ever attended in my career um, to figure out what my job was. And in terms of how I got into education, I had always worked with students in the clinic and enjoyed it. And there was an opportunity for a DCE position posted in the paper, and I went on an interview, and here I am 16 years later. I'm Vicki LaFay. Um, I am the prior director of clinical education at uh, Clarkson University in Potsdam, New York. Um, I've since transitioned into the program chair position. My path is very similar to Nikki's. Um, Ten years ago, I had, was in a clinic position and was working with students, managing the program, and had been involved with our local um, school and really saw a great opportunity to get more involved with education. And the first consortium meeting that I attended, which was strongly recommended by the prior DCE, was was truly transformative in helping me understand what my role was, as well as to realize the support that um, a consortium could provide. 
I'm Kelly Myers, and I've been a clinician for, I was a clinician for 17 years at the same organization before the SCCE retired, and I took on her position. So um, that actually happened just a few weeks before the next consortium meeting, and since she was a member of the consortium, I was automatically expected that I would be going to the meeting. So that was very eye-opening for me. Um, I had never been exposed to it before, so I learned a lot um, from being involved and meeting all the DCEs. I'm currently the clinical member at large in the consortium, and I'm also on the public relations committee. So I've stepped into some additional responsibilities, which have been great, and I've enjoyed working with them. And they have been a uh, great for mentoring me, so I've learned a lot. I'm Lonnie Stewart. I'm the co-director of clinical education at Columbia University. Um, I got into this role approximately four years ago, and much like Nikki, um, immediately attended the first uh, consortium meeting and learned a tremendous amount at right at that moment. And I, I would agree with her that it was one of the most important meetings I had been to. Um, an eye-opener. So I had been uh, a clinician at an inpatient rehab facility and had been doing um, teaching assistant and lab instructor roles, uh, was offered to teach a course um, as an adjunct, and then a position became available as DCE, and I, I jumped in, uh, I threw my hat in the ring. And so I'm now teaching at my alma mater, and uh, the consortium has been a really important uh, part of uh, my professional growth. Hi, I'm Angela Stolfi, and I'm the Director of Physical Therapy at NYU Langone Medical Center's Rusk Rehab. I'm also the Site Coordinator of PT Clinical Education for all of Rusk Rehab. Uh, I got involved in ClinEd, um, like most people, as a clinical instructor probably 20 years ago and have been involved ever since in some capacity. But about 10 years ago when I became the director of PT, that's when I also became what used to be called the CCCE, the center coordinator, but now site coordinator of clinical education. And so coordinating our student program became my job. Uh, we have a large, we're part of a, we are a large multi-site academic medical center. So there are a lot of students who affiliate with us from many different schools. And I joined the consortium because it was part of what I was expected to do um, in ClinEd uh, shortly thereafter. So I've been a consortium member for probably 10 years now. And um, I have also held the clinician at large position on the board of our New York, New Jersey um, consortium. And uh, this group has been really instrumental in me understanding what is going on in ClinEd beyond just placing students in our clinics. So it's been a really great learning experience for me to work with everyone. Well, I really appreciate everyone sharing their stories and perspectives. And uh, Angela, you actually kind of gave a perfect segue into kind of the next question because I recognize that there's probably a lot of people out there who really aren't even aware specifically of what clinical education consortia are, as, as to be honest with you, I, w I was completely one of them until the past DLC. So um, let's dive in a little bit more specifically into discussing um, what clinical education consortia are, maybe a little bit about kind of the basics of how they came to be and kind of some of those big important things that you think uh, people should be aware of regarding the consortia. Right. So a consortium is essentially a group of people who share common interests, right? So in this case, it's physical therapy, clinical education, 
There are currently 22 regional consortiums throughout the United States, and they really vary. Some of them are very large geographic areas. Ours happens to be a smaller geographic area of New York and New Jersey, but we do encompass 26 academic programs. So we are a very large consortium, even though we're in a smaller area than some of the others. And there's a lot of range of clinical representation in those consortium as well. So in general, they function as a way for clinical educators to collaborate, to share resources, to support each other in research efforts. And I think for us, most importantly, to provide support and education for clinicians. So the consortium will get together and discuss topics related to what's going on in their jobs in clinical education, what's going on on the academic side, what's going on on the clinical side, and how can we work together toward a common goal. And that's really why we're working together. In terms of how they came to be, I think originally there was just some grassroots effort. You know, now they're a very structured system, but the New York, New Jersey Consortium was created in 1979 by a group of five DCEs. At that time, they were called ACCEs, academic coordinators, and one site coordinator who wanted to collaborate because they had some common problems, right? They needed a way to standardize the way they evaluated students in clinical education experiences. And what's awesome for us is they actually held their early meetings at a clinical site at NYU Rusk in New York. And they very quickly grew to 10 academic programs in several clinical sites. And early on in the 1980s, they were a very productive group of people. They published a research article on clinical education assessment. They started a job fair that we actually still have today every year. They started delivering clinical instructor training. So each region is going to have their own history of how they formed. That's just a little bit more about our region. And we are now 26 academic programs, as I said, and probably about 15, 20 clinical sites that are very active in our group. I think one of the interesting things related to the consortia is that in the last few years, the National Consortium of Clinical Educators has really tried to understand the nuances and the differences in the structure of the Clin Ed Consortia across the country um, trying to bring us together more um, as a group, um, not just all these isolated silos of consortia. And so we've really learned a great deal about that structure and function. And some of the interesting things were the, the role that clinicians play in some of these consortia is sometimes quite limited um, and often not necessarily having a lot of voting rights within their consortia. So that we found that interesting in some of the updates and that some include PTA educators as well as physical therapist education programs and some do not. So um, it's really been very informative for us to be involved at that national level to get a better understanding of how different and how similar we are um, across the board. You know, so I appreciate that. And Nikki, you kind of had alluded to this a little bit in your answer about some of the things that um, consortia can offer, but I wanna dive into that a little bit more because I recognize there are likely a lot of clinicians, CIs, as well as newer um, SECEs and DCs who are listening who may not be aware of the full scope of what um, a clinical education consortium potentially can offer in terms of resources. So 
would you guys mind kind of being diving in a little bit more into um, what clinical education consortia offer specifically as resources to these various clinical education stakeholders to give some context? As a um, as a relatively new director of clinical education um, and coming f directly from the clinic, there's it's an exciting transition, but there's a steep learning curve. So it, it would be very easy for um, any DCE to become sort of hyper-focused on the concerns of what their own college or university needs and, and dealing with the uh, needs of their students and managing those students and the relationships with the sites. That's one thing. And that's a very, that's what we do day to day. But the, what the consortium offers is an understanding of the landscape and that an understanding that we could all very easily become very competitive and try to exclude one another from and become territorial. Um, the, the consortium allows us to express common concerns and actually work together in the same sandbox. And that has the effect of really kind of really moving the profession forward in clinical education and coming up with bigger ideas that affect the profession. And I now realize that our role is, um, is, is really much bigger than just my concerns with getting my students through their education. Um, and that then broadened my scope to, well, then how do I feel about these bigger issues that are affecting clinical education nationally? Because once you start doing that, um, we, can, we can then become leaders together, both academically and clinically, in sort of driving some of these movements in directions that we, we feel are common directions that we'd like to go. So that was novel for me. That was important. And I felt like a bigger part of a bigger team. And it took me out of the, the minutia that I deal with day to day at my university uh, and was actually a breath of fresh air. As a uh, brand new... SCCE when I was uh, first introduced to the consortium, it was really helpful um, for me. The website has some interesting or some very helpful information on the role of the SCCE and the CIs. There's um, we are working on some training modules, and so the consortium has been really helpful for me to um, help with education of my CIs um, and for educating me as an SCCE as my, to my role and. Um, it was really helpful to broaden my mind as what's going on in the rest of the world and what's going on in the academic setting that I was totally not aware of. Being a clinician, you get very focused on the day-to-day -day and just treating your patients and you don't really understand the full scope. So as a result of being in the consortium, I realized um, the need for clinical education, especially with acute care slots and all the struggles the academic programs were going through. And that really, um, helped me with planning my clinical spots and I was able to increase the spots significantly and was really trying to increase my acute care spots, especially realizing the need was there. Um, and I wouldn't have been aware of that necessarily if I hadn't been in the consortium. So I thought that was really helpful to me. I quickly, yeah. I'm so sorry. I for, oh, Angela, I'm so sorry. I, <laughs> I forgot okay. to mention the word mentorship um, because um, invariably, Nikki and Vicki and Angela and Kelly become my own mentors in how clinical education works from both sides of the coin. And that was 
maybe the most valuable thing for me. Uh, I have to blame Angela uh, for my being chair of the research committee because she she <laughs> ribbed me one day and said, "If you become chair of the research committee, I'll be I'll I'll put my hand up for the director of uh, the the role of which was the role, Angela." I think it was clinical member at large at the yes, time. Yes, clinical member at large. Yes, I, I said fine, okay, I'll do it. But this is that's that's an important role too. It's funny, but I never would have dipped my toe in that and I've learned so much um, despite the fact that it's another thing on my plate I actually uh, embrace that and like it because we all work well together in the same sandbox. Angela I'll pass it over to you. <laughs> sure um, the only other thing that I would add is that the consortium um, while we do have meetings which is a very uh, important component of what we do because it's a great time that we set aside to get together to discuss whatever you know is on our agenda but people from this consortium are available to me whenever I need it. And that goes hand in hand with the mentorship. So, you know, I've noticed that we have this big, you know, email listserv, for example, and I see DCEs with a lot of years of experience asking questions to the group so that they get, you know, advice from their peers about a student issue or how to handle something. And that made me feel very comfortable to feel like I could reach out to the group if I had questions, because I see these people with a lot of experience experiencing novel situations. And so um, as an SCCE, I find it very helpful because it's not just me dealing with one director. I'm dealing with multiple directors and other clinicians who understand the pressures that I'm under on the clinical side when I'm trying to manage things like productivity and patient care, but also being an educational environment for PT students to help our next generation of PTs be the best that they can be. So I think that that support is a really nice other component that we definitely have in the New York, New Jersey uh, consortium. And it's something that has really helped me in my job. I think an important point that Angela brings up is that it's not based on individual relationships, whether you have a clinical agreement with a particular clinical site or um, academic program, that doesn't drive the relationships and the communication and the conversations that are having within the consortia. And I think that's really, really unique that it's not just based on if you take my students, we will discuss a partnership. The partnership is much, much broader. It's about um, what ClinEd means. And so taking away that competition piece, um, playing nicely in the sandbox, as Lonnie said, we've all made a very concerted effort to do that. And what that's allowed us to accomplish is certainly greater than the sum of it. So, you know, you guys have done a really good job of kind of summarizing that. And I know, Lonnie, in your response, you kind of identified um, one of the barriers that kind of can exist between clinical education consortium across the country. You had kind of mentioned there can be, um, make things can be a little bit territorial, maybe resulting in some distrust in that way. Um, but I want to dive in a little bit more into this avenue. So apart from that, what are some of the other barriers that um, these consortia have reported across the country that seem to be affecting them? So some of the biggest, the biggest factors that have been presented um, have, have been called from some meetings that have occurred at the education leadership conferences. Back in 2014, um, there was a clinical education summit where it was very much the focus um, of the conference to really identify on a national level what was happening in clinical education. And since then, the National Consortium of Clinical Educators has really taken a lead in trying to cull some of that information as we talked about before. Um, a couple years ago, this was actually a question that came forth to membership during a regional networking meeting. 
And interestingly, you're going to hear some perspectives that are a little different than what we've been sharing all along, but this is really what's driven some of the fracturing of clinical education. And some of the things that came out of that regional networking session was that a lot of consortia um, are struggling due to a lack of strategic planning. They don't have a clear focus of a mission, a vision, and what they would do together as a collective. Many of them are stagnant. They exist, but they don't really do much together. Um, this trust was, um, was brought up as part of the consortia barriers. We've worked very hard on that, but we've talked to our peers um, across the country, and that's not necessarily consistent um, for um, other consortia. There's also a problem getting um, program engagement and participation. Everybody is very busy. As Lonnie mentioned, that you know that day-to-day -day work of clinical educators as SPCEs and DCEs, it's a lot of work. And so adding one more thing to the mix, if you're not committed to it or don't see the value, it's hard to get um, participation. And again, some of these consortia have had a, had a hard time evolving and changing. Um, because they haven't identified a clear common focus. So those have definitely been some big barriers that have been reported across the country specific to um, clinical education consortia. So Vicki, you pretty much had kind of summarized a really good job regarding some of those barriers. And I wanted to kind of ask a little bit more on um, what you know from a standpoint of what steps are either um, currently being done or planning to be done in the near future to address some of these barriers that you had kind of mentioned. So along the lines of like the limited lines of communication um, between consortia, between individual clinical sites, and um, even just in general, what are some of those things that either are being done or are planning to be doing to start to um, contribute to um, reducing or improving um, these barriers that you kind of had just mentioned? Um, as I mentioned, there was a, um, a dedicated group that's been tasked um, to come forward and really look at ClinEd in a very strategic way. So a number of task forces have come out of that um, ClinEd Summit in 2014 um, to address some of those issues. And one of the things that when we were looking at the history of our own consortia, some of the problems that were reported back in the 80s um, that led to this group coming together, you know, a, you know, a good quality way to assess our students, um, getting enough placements, um, consistency, you know, how do you address the student that is struggling? Those are still issues we deal with today. And one of the things that um, there has been a lot of effort with is to um, really try to get to the bottom of it, developing um, task force with representation across the country, really trying to affect change. Um, ACAPT and APTA have been very committed to these efforts. And so you're starting to really see, um, see some work being done that's been very, very positive. So the work of these task force has driven forward um, a clear definition of what integrated clinical education is, have driven forth um, common terminology related to clinic ed clinical education to, um, to bring us together trying to look at aspects regarding payment for clinical service, clinical education. So there's a numerous task forces that have been designated and this comes from having that national level dialogue. So I think that has really risen in awareness that clin clinical education is a critical piece of the curriculum and not just the add-on at the end. So I think that has helped. So that national level work of the NCCE has continued um, the partnership with the APTA and the CE SIGs um, is also quite strong. Um, the development of the ELP, um, Educational Leadership Partnership, has tried to bridge some of the gaps and, that have happened when there have been efforts in the past. So there's, there's really a very concerted national focus 
that wasn't necessarily quite as united in the past. And one thing I can add to that is, as I'm listening to Vicki describe these things, one of the feelings that I know people often have is, there are all of these things going on at the national level, but how does this information get down to the individual clinician, clinical site, academic program? And one of the things that our consortia has really tried to do, and I think very successfully, is made sure we have representation on each of those national task forces. So whenever a call comes out from the NCCE or from the APTA saying that they're seeking people to serve, we have really encouraged our members to apply for those positions and support them in their efforts in getting on those task forces to make sure that we are receiving the communication of what is happening nationally, and then we can share that with our clinical partners and make sure that everybody is staying informed. So I think the consortia can really serve as an um, in-between between the clinical community and what's going on on the national level and make sure that that flow of communication is happening openly. Yeah, I think that bridge is where the consortia really um, serves its best purpose. And that is a big part of our mission is to serve as the bridge between that national dialogue down to the clinical level and realizing that um, all of the work that may be happening is only as good as the dissemination plan and the consortia really serves such a critical role. So you had, Vicki, I really appreciate, Vicki and Nikki, I really appreciate you kind of sharing that perspective on things that are kind of happening um, at a national level, but I want to even kind of switch that gear to maybe um, things that are more happening kind of within consortia to that they are doing to effectively contribute to positive change in clinical education. Like you'd kind of mentioned a lot of those things that are happening on a national level. What have you guys seen, whether it be your guys's consortia or other consortia doing um, that is kind of trying to push the needle forward in different avenues that's maybe a bit unique? So I think Lonnie and Kelly actually spoke to a lot of these contributions earlier in terms of what we're doing in our consortium. And I'm thrilled to know that they are similar to what's going on in a lot of the other consortia around the country. There's a lot of innovative programming that happens on the local level. So some of it is clinical instructor training. So we know that nationally we have the credentialed clinical instructor training program from the APTA, but a lot of consortia will also have smaller, more culturally specific, I guess, to their region. A training program for clinical instructors or resources on their website. I know that some consortia do offer training for new DCEs or new SECEs. There's a lot of collaboration on research projects that can only really happen through this connection that we have in the consortium. So if somebody has an idea and they need somebody to collaborate with, the consortia is this wonderful group of people that can work with you to produce some wonderful research. Um, and I think what we've seen over the years is that some of these smaller initiatives that happen regionally are extremely influential in creating larger programs. So for example, the clinical instructor training program came from the New England Consortium that was doing a regional clinical instructor training with their sites and that was able to influence a national training program that we now have. 
So a lot of the consortium will work on smaller activities and they'll get picked up and recognized and then be able to have a greater impact. Uh, along the lines with what Nikki just said, there's um, another um, initiative that now is taking a national, is being recognized nationally um, related to consortium research, specifically um, with clinical education and a, designating a clinical center of excellence. Um, there was a research project that I was involved in that the, new, the consortium, um, I was one of the participants and the consortium presented at the last ELC and now the APTA is picking it up as an initiative nationally. So that's another thing that was started here that might become something that's recognized nationally, which is great for clinical sites. Well, absolutely. And I recognize, of course, that, you know, there are many people out there that want to kind of maybe do their own research or continue to learn more, read more about, um, you know, clinical education consortium, even find their regional consortium to kind of find out more, more information. Um, but where would you direct people, generally speaking, online? Should they kind of want to um, read a bit more or kind of learn more about what we've talked about today, but also um, clinical education consortium in general? So you have to do a little bit of digging on the APTA website to get to this information, but it is publicly available for anybody. You don't need to be an APTA member to find it. If you go on the APTA website under the careers and education area and you look for educators and then click clinical educators, there's a lot of networking resources right there for clinical educators. And there's a listing of all of the regional consortia that includes the contact information for the consortia leadership. So if you're looking for your local consortium, you can definitely go to the APTA website and find that information. And I'll say that if you were to do a Google search, you could probably find your local consortium as well because most of them do have websites, right? We have our own website, but I would recommend people go to the APTA to find that information. Another nice source of information related to clinical education and to encourage um, individuals to seek partnerships between academic and clinical institutions is ACAPT.org. Um, the NCCE is housed under ACAPT and the work of the clinical education task forces um, and other resources are presented there, as well as if you do want to reach out to member teams um, from the NCCE, uh, they do have listed who those partners are. Well, I appreciate that. And listeners, if you kind of are wondering, I will pretty much have all those links attached in the show notes. So all you really need to do is click for easy convenience. You might have to click around to find out which exact consortium you're in. So please keep that in mind when you're scrolling through those. Access to healthcare is one of the largest issues facing both providers and patients, as millions of people worldwide lack timely and affordable access to healthcare. Anywhere healthcare a telehealth platform is a simple, low-cost option for providers and patients that eliminates the barriers to access to all kinds of healthcare. To find out more, check out anywhere.healthcare, which is available on our show notes. And if you use the code HET in all caps when you email to sign up, you'll save 25% off the total cost. Thank you for attending class today, and we hope that you learned something and gained value from the content. If you'd like to schedule office hours with us, feel free to add us on Twitter at HET Podcast, on Instagram, HET Podcast, on Facebook, the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast, and the homepage, Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast.com. And for those of you following along in the syllabus, 
Extra credit can be obtained by liking us, sharing us, and leaving a review. Let's continue our journey up Mount Educational Success as lifelong learners.